planet is absolutely doing its best to kill us these days, and honestly, I can't really blame it. LeBron James gave an emotional speech his last day of shooting the Space Jam sequel. And Congress skipped town without a new coronavirus bill. BuzzFeed News congressional correspondent Addie Baird is here to tell us where they left off. The date, August 17th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, there's so many important things to get to today. But before <laughs> yep. we do, I, we have yet to address on this show, we are part of the mainstream media problem. We have not talked about the boat <laughs> parades in support of <laughs> President Trump. <laughs> Wait, what are those called again? They have a funny nickname. Oh God, I have, I don't know. I mean, the flotilla, the Trump flotilla. I don't know what yes, you're that's what to. it is. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, it. that's no. what I've been seeing everywhere. <laughs> well, that's terrible. Uh, so, so if you're out there listening, you don't know what we're talking about. Apparently, uh, the the president and his reelection campaign have been making a really big deal about the fact that there are people out there, a silent majority of people out there, on their boats, congregating on the waters with Trump, Pence flags mm. on their mass and yeah. <laughs> that is a clear sign that the people the the good old down-to-earth people support the president <laughs> on their boats on their <laughs> boats I, I i i just can't get enough of this story because it's i don't know when it became like a symbol of the true blue collar middle class to own like a pretty large boats in most of these boats. now we're talking like we're talking about fishing boats or they're, they're pretty sizable like several people boats mm, yeah i feel like and also just like the headlines from this weekend were like i think you know one boat sunk with no people on board. Then there was another headline about how they're trying to beat a Guinness World Record with like the the biggest boat parade. A lot of stuff is happening with boats and Trump. Right. And I did also see that in, I believe, off of Portland, there were too many people like basically speeding in their boats and had, you know, the wake behind you, the wave that the boats create. Oh, God. And they capsized a non-Trump boat in the process. Oh, no. You could see the boat like sinking slowly and the people like trying to like bail it out. It's like, oh, OK, that's that's where we're at right now. <laughs> boats. OK, time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. The fight over the U.S. Postal Service hit warp speed this weekend, and UPS and FedEx would like to be excluded from this narrative. Thank you. A growing number of people online and even some state officials are calling for UPS and FedEx to pitch in and help deliver ballots during the election this November. As it stands, the U.S. Postal Service has warned states that it may not be able to deliver the flood of mail-in ballots that are expected in time for them to count under state guidelines. But both companies are pretty hesitant about getting involved for a number of reasons. Foremost is a patchwork of state and local election laws that in some cases could keep a private carrier from delivering a ballot. Also, for some of their more rural deliveries, UPS and FedEx both often rely on contract with the Postal Service to perform pickup and delivery. The political firestorm over the changes that the new Postmaster General Louis DeJoy has put into place reached a new height over the weekend, as people worried that the changes he'd made in the name of efficiency and cost savings would negatively impact the election. That includes removing hundreds of mail sorting machines from post offices around the country and retiring mailboxes in areas that they say are overserved. Several Democratic members of Congress have called for investigations into the changes that he's put into place, including a potential FBI investigation into tampering with the mail. 
Meanwhile, and we haven't talked about it yet on the show before, but things are pretty wild in Belarus, which is seeing its biggest protest in the country's history. Belarus has been ruled by Alexander Lukashenko since the Soviet Union broke up in the early 1990s. He's been called Europe's last dictator and has generally been pretty content to cling to power via rigged election and brutal suppression. But this year has been different. After the government's electoral commission declared that, surprise, Lukashenko had won 80% of the vote, people took to the streets in protest. Over the last week, the opposition leader has fled the country, and thousands of people have been arrested and likely tortured. But people have continued to turn out, with the Associated Press estimating that 200,000 protesters gathered at a rally in the capital city, Minsk, yesterday. And earlier today, Lukashenko toured a factory, hoping to buoy his support among what would normally be his base. Instead, they chanted, Step Down. Lukashenko has reportedly asked Russian President Vladimir Putin for support. Whether Russia decides to actually step in remains to be seen, though. Belarus, I gotta mention, it's worth pointing out, uh, it sits in a pretty key place between the Russian Federation and the European Union. And much like Ukraine, trying to dance along that balance between the two can put you in a rough spot geopolitically. And finally, if the pandemic wasn't proof enough, the planet continues to be extremely angry at humanity and over the last week has sent a punishing amount of extreme weather our way. We told you last week about how Baghdad hit 125 degrees Fahrenheit recently. Well, now in Death Valley, California, temperatures hit 130 degrees Fahrenheit. If confirmed by the World Meteorological Association, it'll be the highest recorded temperature on the planet ever. Speaking of California, it's wildfire season. Over the weekend near Sacramento, there was what the National Weather Service refers to as a tornadic pyrocumulus, also known as a fiery tornado. A fire-nado, if you will. The spinning funnel of fire touched down on Saturday near the Loyalton Fire, northeast of the state capital. And on Sunday, more fires were sparked by a rare lightning storm, sparking vegetation dried out in California's current heat wave. And in Iowa and other parts of the Midwest, people are still recovering after a massive storm swept through the region last Monday, knocking out power and devastating around 14 million acres of farmland. It was all thanks to a wind and rainstorm called a derecho that basically acts like an inland hurricane, whipping up wind to about 100 miles per hour. President Trump signed off on disaster relief from the storm today, nearly a week after it hit, and with 98,000 people still without power as of Sunday. Yeah, um, the weather's been bad everywhere. It's been incredibly unexpected. Yeah, when I, when I saw the fire tornadoes, I was like, yep. That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. That makes sense. And speaking of Iowa, I hadn't heard about everything that was going on there until I was on TikTok. And it was someone from there going like, hey, no one's talking about us, but my family still doesn't have power and neither does anyone here. Like, it's a, it's, it is a disaster there. Right, partially because at first, the initial reports were, oh, a storm rolled through. And it wasn't for like a couple of days until people on, I guess, the coast like us realized, oh, oh, no, it is still really bad there. So shout out to the people in the Midwest who have been tweeting, trying to get the media's attention. You got it. And I'm we're really sorry for missing this before. So, Casey, what have you got today? Well, first up, shooting for the upcoming Space Jam sequel wrapped last year by audio leaked this weekend of an emotional LeBron James saying farewell to the production. After years of rumors, the NBA star was first confirmed to be taking the court with Bugs Bunny and the rest of the Looney Tunes cast back in 2018. 
The filming took place last summer pre-COVID, and according to the audio that TMZ obtained, James joked that he had had a moment of doubt when he realized he'd be shooting for at least two months straight. But he quickly got into it, and by the time his last day came around, he had some real feelings to share with the rest of the team. Growing up in the inner city, as an African-American kid, there's no way you're supposed to fucking make it out. And, and the fact that I'm who I am as an African-American adult now with three kids of my own, and I made it out of the situation that I was in, this shit is like extra credit for me, man. Space Jam, A New Legacy is slated to be released on July 21st, 2021. And maybe by then I'll have actually watched the first one. Casey, I have faith in you. You have to do this. I will get on Zoom with you. Yes. And we'll have like a Space Jam watch I party. My, I blame my parents. Why didn't they show this to me? You know, it's that's a classic. On them. It's, that's on right, them. There, there's nothing even objectionable. Like sometimes when I hear about like parents not letting their kids watch certain movies, I'm like, okay, whatever. You thought that Disney was evil. You thought that right. whatever. But this was Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. There was like nothing. But you know what? That- I never watched the Looney Tunes. So I just didn't watch them. So I have, I have like, I know who Bugs Bunny is. Like I know who some of them are, but I just like was not a part of that. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So much education that needs to happen here. So much. Uh, And moving on, I know we've talked about the current reboot fever going around, but this one could either be great or a total Monet. That's right. We might be getting a reboot of Clueless. The hit 1995 movie has already had a TV show, which aired first on ABC, then UPN for its second and third seasons. Most of the main actors from the movie, save Alicia Silverstone, Paul Rudd, and Brittany Murphy, played their characters on the show as well. But now there's a version in development for NBC's streaming service Peacock. This time, instead of Cher Horowitz, the show will be focused on her best friend, Dion Davenport. How does the show explain the shift to having a black main character? Well, here's a description of the show provided to CNN. A baby pink and bisexual blue-tinted tiny sunglasses-wearing oat milk latte and Adderall-fueled look at what happens when Queen Bee Cher disappears and her lifelong number two Dion steps into Cher's vacant Air Jordan. How does Dion deal with the pressures of being the new most popular girl in school while also unraveling the mystery of what happened to her best friend? <laughs> I, I I am loath to use this word because it feels kind of ableist, but that's absolutely psychotic sounding. Like, what the heck? <laughs> So I am like, yeah, I, I, is it a mystery now? Is this a mystery? Is well, it I a- mean, that kind of, I mean, is this what they did with Riverdale? They were like, you know what? We don't really have like a plot for this show about teens. So why don't we add a mystery element to it? And then it just went off the rails over time. It did. It actually feels very tonally different for anything that NBC would do. I mean, I know it's Peacock, so they can probably have more liberties with what they're doing with streaming, but it does just seem like a totally wild different direction. I'm also a little bit confused. Do you know, because it says like oat milk latte, is this taking place in present day? Or is it so. mean that not, it's present? I think, okay. I think it's a present day reboot, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, but, but I've, I have so many questions, so many questions. <laughs> Namely, will Stacey Dash make an appearance no. in a cameo? She will will not, she show no one, up? no one is going to let her do that. No one. <laughs> You'll be banned from the set. Don't even think about it, Stacey. Okay, when we come back, we've got BuzzFeed News congressional correspondent Addie Baird with an update on the potential for more COVID relief from Congress. Stay right there. At 
SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then, thousands of survivors have come forward. Now, I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast... Me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. When you first get there, you have to experience girls screaming, locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping. And you're like, where am I? Holy heck, this is not what I expected. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's been two weeks since some of the key provisions of the CARES Act expired. That means that people who lost their jobs at the start of the pandemic no longer have the expanded unemployment benefits that had been a lifeline. But Congress last week opted to leave town without working out a deal on a new coronavirus bill, leaving millions in the lurch. Today, we've got BuzzFeed News congressional correspondent Addie Baird with us to break down why the talks broke down. Thanks for joining us, Addie. Hi. Well, 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 would you look at the time? It's news o'clock. <laughs> Addie, you're the first guest we've had somehow who has actually like acknowledged how great our name is. So thank you, you for that. You, you have made Hayes' entire week. <laughs> you know, I will be honest. Um, I was just like getting ready earlier and I was like, ooh, you know what would be funny if I like got on and I was like, oh my gosh, it's news o'clock. So I've been planning this. This has been really exciting for me as well. <laughs> okay, so Addie, Congress left town for their August recess. The House may be coming back, but we'll get to that in a second. When they left, though, where were they as far as negotiating a new coronavirus response bill? Um, They were completely off the map. They were nowhere near. They had not made much progress. Uh, the progress they had made had fallen apart, um, and they left deadlocked without a deal. So there's no deal, but just how far apart are the parties at this point? What are the main sticking points? So Nancy Pelosi basically said last week that they are hopelessly far apart. The timeline of how this unfolded was in May, the House passed the HEROES Act, which is a $3 trillion relief package. And that is now just languishing in the Senate. 
And, you know, the problem here is not only that the Republican-controlled Senate does not want to spend $3 trillion, though that is certainly part of it, but it is that the ways that these two parties, which control these two chambers, have completely different ideas of how to come at relief. Um, This House package that passed a few months ago had all sorts of things that were focused on, like workers. They had hazard pay for essential workers. They had housing relief. The Senate basically wants more money for small businesses. They want liability protections for businesses, and they want to spend significantly less money. And so those are not only the sticking points, but like kind of the only points that no one can agree on. So wait, so we have uh, Chuck Schumer, the minority leader of the Senate. We have the Speaker of the House, uh, the Treasury Secretary, and the White House Chief of Staff. Where's Mitch McConnell? Where's the Senate in this process? Where's the Senate Majority Leader? Oh, what a good question. Well, right now, they're not in D.C. Um, Right now, they are just hanging out. Um, Mitch McConnell has absolutely tied himself to liability protections, which basically would mean that businesses don't have, uh, don't face consequences if their workers uh, might get coronavirus or if people get coronavirus, you know, by, by coming to whatever business it might be. And he has basically said he will not pass a bill that does not have liability protections in it. Nancy Pelosi has basically said that's ridiculous. And it's sort of basically pushed him out of the process because the White House has come in and been, um, you know, particularly with Meadows, who had a history when he was in the House of, of working quite well with Democrats, actually, believe it or not, has kind of become this this mediator from the White House to Pelosi. Um, and it's ultimately resulted with McConnell dug into this liability protection issue that Trump doesn't seem to care about nearly as much as he does. He's kind of cut himself out of this negotiation. So what are the odds that any Republicans split off and side with the Democrats for a majority to try to just amend and pass the HEROES Act? Um, I would say they're low. <laughs> the thing that's, that's kind of interesting here, uh, you know, I know we always love to think about whether, you know, somebody like Mitt Romney will break with Mitch McConnell or Susan Collins will break with Mitch McConnell, maybe Lisa Murkowski. But this is different, I think, even than like impeachment. Um, this is a question that boils down in a lot of ways to the kinds of arguments that Republicans and Democrats have been having on the Hill for decades. Republicans don't want to spend Democrats do. Um, And even these more moderate Republicans who have at other times sided with Democrats uh, tend to fall on more of that uh, fiscally conservative. It does seem unlikely the Democrats will peel off any Republican votes. So you mentioned that Trump doesn't really care about liability protections as much as Mitch McConnell does. Do we have any sense of what he does want in this new bill? Because he's threatened to veto all kinds of things. But I'm curious about like what he actually wants. You know, Trump recently signed a whole bunch of executive orders related to coronavirus relief. And I think that they do a pretty good job of helping us understand what he actually wants in a bill like this. The two biggest parts of this, of these executive orders are they defer payroll taxes. A lot of questions about, you know, what exactly that means for people. Um, He also has introduced, it's a little bit complicated but it would be $300 in additional unemployment insurance um, in federal stimulus money only 
if the person who is on unemployment right now is getting at least $100 from the state. So if you are getting, um, you know, $150 based on your, you know, prorated working hours, how much money you make, whatever, the, the various considerations, only then do you get that additional $300. Those are the things that Trump seems to really care about. Those are the things that have become um, central to his executive orders. But the big important thing to say here is they might be unconstitutional. Trump is completely trying to take the power of the purse guaranteed to Congress into his hands. And so while it also shows us what he cares about, and part of the argument is that it will get Congress back at the table, it mostly is just, uh, it should be concerning to those of us who think democracy is good. (laughs) (laughs) So those orders that you mentioned, uh, like you said, President Trump said they were supposed to help push Congress back to the negotiating table. Did that actually work at all? Does Congress care? No. (laughs) Um, And also the government's going to shut down September 30th if they don't uh, get rolling with some funding. Oh, good. 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 I'm glad everything is coming up roses right now in uh, Washington, D.C. So The House, uh, Nancy Pelosi said yesterday that they'll be coming back for an emergency session related to the Postal Service. Do we know if there's any plans on the table to pass anything else related to coronavirus relief? So Politico reported over the weekend that there was a call with some House Democrats and that some top Democrats, some members of, of leadership, I understand, or at least, you know, people who have some influence with leadership have talked about potentially taking some additional action to address issues like the expired federal unemployment benefits. But there's nothing officially on the table and there's the possibility that they could vote on other emergency proposals, but nothing official yet. Well, Addie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, of course. It's great to be here, even to talk about bad stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we have time for one more thing. And today it's Cardi B in conversation with Joe Biden in what may be the wildest remix that I'm not sure anyone asked for. Yeah, when I first saw the headline this morning, I was honestly not sure if I was still asleep. But there it was from Elle magazine, 16 minutes of Joe and Cardi. 16 minutes, like (laughs) half of a TV episode of Joe and Cardi with the sitcom that no one asked for, but I kind of want to see now. Okay, so I mean, the Democratic National Convention starts up tonight. So this is probably the most entertaining bit of politics we're going to get today. Mm. And they did cover real issues. I will give them that, especially talking about paying for health care and for college. Tell me what your fans most say to you when they communicate with you online. What, what are they most concerned about? Obviously, free free uh, college education, free Medicare, especially now that, you know, People are just getting sick left to right, left to right. And that's why I keep telling people, because sometimes people have problems in their community. I will say there was a lot of edits in the video that Elle posted, and I would love to see the uncut version of this. Absolutely. I wonder how long they actually had for this conversation. Was it like an hour of Joe and Cardi that was cut down to 16? Or was it like 20 and they were just cutting out Cardi's swear words? I bet they had a great time, to be honest. I bet just going back and forth, just both amusing each other. They're a pair of talkers, though. They are, they are, right? (laughs) 
You know what? I think they should have saved this, though, for the convention. Can you mm. imagine if Cardi B got up oh live national television and set forth the Democratic national platform for the next four years? Yeah, you know what? We're only getting a minute of AOC. So, you know what? It would have been good to throw some Cardi in there so we could have some more things that, uh, you know, our people want, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that people want is a good way to put it. I, I feel like there's not really a lot of lamentation about the fact that the uh, convention is all digital this year, that we don't have the same like pomp and circumstance that we normally do from the DNC. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous to see what will happen now that it's just everyone on Zoom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine if like one of the keynote speakers forgets to unmute? Yes, it's going to happen. Something is going to happen. There's no way. I mean, even just day to day life at BuzzFeed and people still don't understand it. <laughs> And we're good at technology. Yes. We understand computers. <laughs> I got to say, I, I got to say, going back to the Joe and Cardi video, I am so happy that there were zero WAP references in that video. I know. And if there were one, it would have been fine coming from Cardi. But yes, I'm so grateful none came from Joe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It would be the worst rendition of Pokemon Go to the polls that I have, <laughs> could possibly imagine for this cycle. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, that's today's show. Tomorrow, we're joined by New York Times opinion writer Charlie Warzel about how QAnon went mainstream. And remember, I don't know, WAP to the polls, I guess. Is that what we're saying this time around? We'll run with it. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. The new year is a great time to reset your relationship with your emotions. We all experience things that don't feel so good. Stuff like sadness, anxiety, burnout, and guilt. But in 2022, I want to help you look at these emotions in a new light. I'm Dr. Laurie Santos. In the new season of my podcast, The Happiness Lab, I'll show you that the path to happiness actually involves embracing your negative emotions and listening to the important things they have to say. So listen to The Happiness Lab in the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Conquer your New Year's resolutions with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, you'll learn how to make the most of your time with practical tools to help you feel less busy and get more done. Listen to Before Breakfast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.